My name is Paul Dooley. I'm an actor. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It is that time again. It's time for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 402 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have a guest who was in 16 Candles. He created and was in The Electric Company. He was in Popeye playing Wimpy. He was the voice of Sarge in Cars. Paul Dooley is coming here right here today on On Screen and Beyond. And I hope you're going to be sticking around for that. And I hope you'll excuse my voice. Hopefully we'll get through this. Uh, I just got back from Vegas and it turns out that I was fine until the day after I got back. And all of a sudden, I've got a cold. (laughs) I am just... uh, you know, just a mess, and uh, I've got uh, temperature and everything, but we're going to still get through this, hopefully. Uh, I may have to do some editing of coughing out of here just to get through, but uh, so uh, bear with me, and let's see what else we got going on. Oh, yes, uh, as far as uh, we've talked about this before, uh, Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm, that's a movie that I wrote. It's an animated film, and it's being, uh, I directed the voiceover characters, uh, the people in it, and uh, it's moving along, like I said uh, a while back. But now, the first trailer teaser has been released. And you can see it if you go to Facebook, and uh, if you type in Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm. Now, usually if you type in Bonji Bear, it's going to start coming up there where you see it. And that's spelled B-O-N-G-E-E. And uh, then, of course, Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm. But uh, if you go there, you'll be able to see that trailer teaser. It's the first one that's come out. I I think it's looking really good, and I I like it a lot. And also, they have released the first poster. So you can see that at uh, Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm on Facebook. So be sure to check it out. It will be on onscreenandbeyond.com as soon as I figure out how to do that. So I just haven't got around to it. And, of course, I've been traveling and everything, so... Uh, we'll we'll see what we can do about getting that on for you, make it a little bit easier. But if you would do that, if you want to share it, like it, uh, just let people know about it. I'd like to get more people to know about uh, the Bonji Bear and the Kingdom of Rhythm trailer teaser that's out now. All right, so uh, we'd appreciate that. And let's see, that's it. Let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. According to reports, Daisy Ridley of the new Star Wars film is being considered for the role of Laura Croft, and uh, that's, of course, the new Tomb Raiders remake that they're working on, and only time will tell if that comes true. And the new Mummy remake with Tom Cruise is also uh, going to have Jake Johnson on board. Production starts in April, and it looks like they're going to have a June 9, 2017 release on that one. And Sony Pictures Animation is moving ahead with an animated remake of Ghostbusters. So we're going to get a little bit uh, Ghostbusters coming from all directions for us. And Ivan Reitman is going to be producing it, and a director has been hired. 
And that's it for Remake Madness. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Upcoming new movies, well, it looks like no deal is set yet, but Will Smith's next movie, Bright, might end up being a Netflix movie. But theaters don't like that uh, whole idea of of a theatrical release and a Netflix release at the same time. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, I can see their point, but uh, that's, that's the way things are going. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. And you can look for Dustin Hoffman, Emma Thompson, Ben Stiller, and Adam Sandler to all be in a comedy called, now i got to get this right because I'm going to mess this up, Yen Din Ka Kissa. I'm sure I messed that all up, but uh, there's no release date on that, but it's comedy. And Matt Damon, Reese Witherspoon, Neil Patrick Harris, and... Alex Baldwin will all star in downsizing. Now, this is about a part of the population that opts to reduce their size and live in tiny communities. And that's going to hit theaters in 2017. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels. Sequel City, it looks like June 16th, 2017 is the scheduled release date of Kingsman 2. Holly Berry will join the cast as the head of the CIA. And Tim Burton, he says everything, including Michael Keaton, is a go for Beetlejuice 2. And Warner Brothers has given it approval. But there's uh, just, you know, timing. That's all that's going on right now. And Bad Boys 3 has been bumped from the release date of February 17th, 2017 to June 3rd, 2017. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, May 3rd is the release date of Airwolf, the complete series on DVD. Now, this includes all 79 episodes from 1984, the CBS show, and 1987, the USA Network show. So, uh, And also, if you go back to onscreenandbeyond.com and go on our, uh, our podcast reruns, you will also hear an interview of uh, Alex Cord, who, of course, was in Airwolf. So be sure to check that out. And The Last Ship, the complete second season, will arrive on May 3rd in stores on Blu-ray and DVD. And the final season of Haven will arrive on Blu-ray and DVD on April 19th. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, May 20th is a release date of Deadpool on Blu-ray. And The Wave will arrive on Blu-ray and DVD on June 21st. And Joy with Jennifer Lawrence, hit stores on May 3rd. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment time. (laughs) TV and Entertainment time. Mercy Street on PBS has been renewed for a second season, and Sharknado 4 is gearing up for another round of chewing up actors and spitting them out 
Gary Busey, Cheryl Teagues, and past guests here at On Screen and Beyond, Cody Lindley, will be part of the cast. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. <laughs> Celebrity birthdays. It looks like on March 14th, Billy Crystal turns 68 and Michael Caine turns 83. March 15th, it looks like Eva Ligoria turns 41. And on March 16th, Jerry Lewis turns 90. And on March 17th, Rob Lowe turns 52 and Kurt Russell turns 65. And on March 18th, Vanessa Williams turns 53. And on March 19th, Bruce Willis turns 61, and Glenn Close turns 69. That's it for celebrity birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, well, Justine T. turns 46 on March 18th. She's from Malibu, California. And if you, a friend or a relative, have a uh, birthday coming up, be sure to send the information to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we will all wish you a very happy birthday. And uh, just get that to me ahead of time, and we'll get it out there. And that's it. That's it for listener birthdays and celebrity birthdays. Now it's time for our interview with Paul Dooley. And Paul, he he has such a recognizable face. 16 Candles, he was the dad. Electric Company, he was in there. He also created the show. In Popeye, he was wimpy. And uh, he was Sarge, the voice of Sarge in Cars and Cars 2. So many other things he was in. We're going to talk about all that. Paul Dooley, next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on this episode of On Screen and Beyond is an actor, writer, and comedian who we have seen on so many movies and TV shows, including 16 Candles, Popeye, the voice of Sarge in Pixar's Cars and Cars 2, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he was nominated for an Emmy for his role on The Practice. It's Paul Dooley. Paul, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hey, how you doing? Paul, you know, your face is one of those faces that we see everywhere on TV shows and movies, <laughs> and everybody and knows you. the public doesn't know my name. The right. <laughs> That's how it works with character actors. But the thing is, so many character actors, are they, they bring so much to a show or a movie or, you know, whatever, and uh, it's, it's just, uh, like I say, you're so recognizable. I know. I I may have made more movies than Al Pacino. I made about seventy movies. Wow! Jeez. But he made. Of course, he was the lead in all of the movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're walking no, down, that's the, the life of a character actor. Yeah. Uh, but the, luckily, in our industry, people know my name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, casting directors and all those people—that's yeah. what counts. Right. Yeah. Do do people recognize you a lot when you're walking down the street or in a store or anything like that? Oh yeah. And a lot of times I'm walking with my wife and uh, I don't notice people looking at me, but she <laughs> notices them. Because if I look their way, they'll avert their eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I don't look their way, they're looking at me. And my wife said, as they pass, she'll say, they were just giving you the once over. <laughs> but many people give you a look and don't say anything and others come up to you and 
and say something. I get recognized quite a bit. Yeah. Those that recognize you, uh, is there one movie or TV show that they, they mostly remember you for? Or, or are you getting, you know, all these different TV shows and movies that they're saying, oh, I no, remember you from No, it's from uh, different shows, but they're the most popular and the best movie I ever made was called Breaking Away. And um, if you're a certain age, because at 30 years old, that's the one you remember. And then if you're about 20 years uh, ago, it was 16 Candles. And of course. Yeah. Nobody recognizes me from Sarge and Cars because I don't look like a car. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was, I was filming today on a, on a fairly new show. This is the first season called Heartbeat. And, um, and a guy came up to me and he mentions a very uh, sort of unknown movie that I did, but it's known as a cult movie among, especially among college kids. It's called uh, Strange Brew. Yes, I remember that. And it's uh, the reason it's popular with college kids is all the two guys, uh, Dave uh, Thomas and Rick Moranis, do in it is drink beer. <laughs> so I can see why college kids might like it. <laughs> and another one I did that's a little culty is. Um, Shakes a Clown with Bobcat Goldthwait about alcoholic clowns who also did drugs. And that one comes up from time to time with people. Yeah. You know, more in their 20s or 30s. Yeah, yeah. Anybody ever been... There's a lot of them. I did three Chris Guest movies, and a lot of people follow Chris Guest movies. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, uh, yeah. Of course, I work with Larry David, and I'm his Mm father-in-law. So they mention that occasionally, but... Uh, most of the time it's 16 Candles and uh, Breaking Away. But if you watch Breaking Away, you won't be uh, sorry. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the guy who wrote it won the Oscar that year. and It's got Jackie Earl Haley, Daniel Stern, Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and I have a part that's uh, very important in it. I'm a father who's very cranky and comical, but by the end he's got a heart of gold and loves his son. But it's all surrounding bicycle races. I see. Okay. Yeah. We shot it in Bloomington, Indiana. Bloomington, Indiana, where uh, the guy who wrote it actually went to school, and and he was a biker, and he also his best friend had this happen to him. This uh, this guy became uh, obsessed with uh, with uh, biking, and because the Italian teams were the best, he tried to learn Italian. He was a Midwesterner, and uh, there's a lot of humor around it. Hmm. That's my calling card when I go meet new directors and new producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're students of film; they all know that movie. Right. Yeah. Huh. But anyway, some of my recognition is accumulative over years. It just adds up, and people don't know exactly what they've seen. Yeah. 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 Now I'm sure there's always that that Star Trek uh, people that remember you, uh, even though they can't recognize you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> probably don't recognize me, but I get, oddly, because um, Star Trek fans are so rabid, Right. I get letters from Germany and England and France and Poland, and just because once you've gotten all the principal names from starting way back with uh, uh, the original Star Trek, it becomes important to get all the people who just appear on there a few times. Those are like little rare coins that are upside down or something. Mm-hmm. So even though I only did four episodes, I get letters from all these Trekkies wow. just to get a picture and an autograph. Yeah. Huh. Now, 
with all the movies you've done, you've done so many, uh, and I'm sure you've traveled the world to, uh, to be in some of these yeah, films. Yeah, I've been around quite a bit. Yeah, what's the most uh, exotic place that you've gone for a film? Uh, well, I was in Puerto Rico once. Uh, I uh, was in Vancouver many times, Toronto many times. I went to London. Uh, but none of those are that exotic. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, unusual. but still. Yeah. But I've been in many of the states of the Union, of course, Wyoming and Montana, and been in Texas many times. They shoot a lot of films down in Austin. Mm-hmm. It's quite a film town down there. Huh. And, uh, you know, all over the place, New England, all around New York, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I was an East Coast actor doing mostly theater and commercials for many years, and I was discovered by Robert Altman, and he put me in five movies in a row, and then I became a film actor. And moved out here. Wow! Uh, before that, I was uh, hadn't had much film experience, but I, of course, uh, when you film commercials, you're getting camera on camera experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I did tons and tons and tons of commercials. Yeah. Because New York had more commercials than they did theater jobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and every I've... day they're doing new commercials for new products, and so there's lots of actors used. Right, yeah, and I've been told by some people who've done commercials that uh, went national and then were played for quite a long time, like sometimes a year or two years, yeah, and it's, uh, it's very good. <laughs> I, I did a commercial once where I said the word no, and that was all, and it ran seven years. Seven years? <laughs> Holy cow. Then every time they show it, it's cha-ching, cha-ching, right? <laughs> well, it's a ching-ching, that's right. Only if it's national, if it's what you might call regional or local it doesn't pay nearly as much uh, but national i've done you know, three or four hundred national commercials over a 20-year period yeah 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 mick jones i don't know if you know mick mickey uh he was in uh oh he was on all kinds of uh, movies and uh he was a, a drummer for uh, kenny rogers with the first edition and uh anyways he did a commercial one time he, he was telling me for uh, oh shoot! I can't even remember the name of it now. But uh, some some breath mint, and he was the guy with the long beard. And the little old lady says, "Oh, your breath smells so good." And he said that put his kids through college. He said, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I've made uh, five thousand dollars and or ten thousand dollars for one day because it ran a year or two. Mm-hmm. But I've had other jobs where I'm a spokesman where I I do fifteen or twenty commercials a year for them, and I'm on a contract, you know. Ah, okay. So it's a very, very lucrative business. <laughs> there are no residuals if you're in a Broadway show or on the stage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy and being? Also, in... the residuals aren't. You do get some money from being in a film, uh, in a residual or um, a television show and reruns, but it's nowhere near what the commercial is. Oh, really? Wow. Huh. Do you enjoy being on stage with that immediate uh, reaction by the the audience? Oh, yeah, it's really the best because you get that natural, real response, you know. The mm. only closest thing to it is when you do sitcoms, they usually invite an audience in, and uh, so you do it in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually you rehearse four days, and on the fifth day they bring an audience in. Yeah. That's how most sitcoms are made, but some of them, like The Office and some others, are made with... Uh, without an audience they just shoot them like a movie mm-hmm. yeah. but I did a lot of sitcoms over the years and oh yes <laughs> there's a little bit sense of being in front of a live audience yeah yeah I was looking over your your credits and it's it's like pages and pages and pages 
<laughs> of TV shows and everything. Yeah, there's a lot of them there. I think yeah. that there's, my first one might have been uh, either Bewitched or Get Smart. Hmm. I was still living in New York then, but uh, somebody out there who who were some of the writers out there knew me from New York, and they sent for me to do a couple parts. Hmm. Wow, I used to love those shows. Those were good shows. <laughs> yeah, and I did some early TV. There was a thing called The Defenders, which was a yeah. a lawyer show with a father and son, E.G. Marshall and Robert Reed was his son. Mm -hmm. That ran for several seasons in New York, and I shot it there. Ah. That was one of my first, actually. Yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, did you always want to be an actor? Well, uh, not right, but I was drawn to listening to comedy on radio. So I was a lover of comedians, maybe when I'm 12 or something. Um, but I also at that time did interested in drawing, and I became, I went away from a regular representative drawing and became a cartoonist. So through high school and college, I contributed to the school paper and the college humor magazine and I thought I'd go on to be a professional cartoonist, but I was also studying um, theater in college. I majored in theater and minored in art. But uh, even while I was interested in cartooning, is just a version, a comedy version of art. So I was always interested in comedians, and of course, I, I early on fell in love with Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, mm -hmm. and I loved that kind of thing, you know, that physical comedy because they were geniuses, the two of them. Mm -hmm. But I've always followed comedy very closely almost in a, a scholar way you know i still study it you know i'm still aware of everything that's going on and all the comedians and know a lot about the history of comedy and silent movies and vaudeville and way back circus burlesque you know yeah, yeah. it's always been a very big interest of mine hmm. now did you ever get to meet uh, any of your comedic heroes when you were you know as, as you were going through your career well my biggest one was um um Buster Keaton. Wow. And uh, later, I, uh, after loving him, and I wanted to become an actor when I saw Keaton do comedy when I was 15. I mean, I was looking at, there was no longer any silent movies, but uh, a friend of mine had a small 8mm screen and projection, and he used to rent them, and I discovered him, and I wanted to be an actor when I saw him. And 35 years later, I made a commercial with Buster Keaton. So then... The story unfolded, and I was working with a hero of mine. Jeez. But I always loved uh, people like Bob Newhart. Mm -hmm. I tend to be a minimalist when I do comedy. I like to do less than more. I like I don't like overdoing comedy. I like to do it in a very sly, subtle way, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, Bob Newhart's a good example. He never seems to be trying to get laughs. Right, yeah. yeah. A lot of comedians almost beg you for laughs. Right. Yes. You know, they talk fast, they talk loud, you know. Yeah. I like people who seem natural. Mm -hmm. 
and I do my acting the same way. I always did comedy roles until I met Robert Altman, and he cast me in a few parts where I had to do straight acting, and I realized then that I could be a straight actor, although before that I was always saying, well, I'm not a straight actor, I can just do humorous roles. Turns out I can do both, and in the meantime I've done a lot of that, you know. Yeah. Because I started playing fathers in the movies, and I've done, I don't know, 30 or 40 fathers over the years of many, many different to people like Molly Ringwald and mm -hmm. Julia Roberts and all these people. Jeez. I kind of got typecast as a, <laughs> as a father. Yeah. So half my work is dramatic and the other half is comic. Now, which is harder, being a, a comic role or a, a dramatic role? Well, comedy is harder because if you don't get the laugh, everyone knows you failed. If you're saying dramatic lines and you don't get a response, there is no response that's out loud. You may be doing a dramatic part, and you don't know if you're great or you're not, because there's nobody grading you, but a comedian is graded on his laughs. Right. So yeah. it's harder to do comedy. Although, if you have an instinct for it, and it's your wheelhouse, you know, I don't think it's hard, because I love it, and it's easy for me. Mm -hmm. But I know that it's harder. And it's also interesting that the Oscars never honor the comedies. They think drama is hard. But the truth is, comedy is really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But comedy seems frivolous, and drama seems important. So that's how it works. Mm -hmm. There's a sort of a prejudice against comedies in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. They very rarely win win the award. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's It, it doesn't... It, it, they, don't. they like blockbusters, and they like... If you want to get an Oscar, have cancer in a story. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> like Jack Lemmon did comedy after comedy after comedy. But he didn't get the leading actor uh, Oscar until he played uh, an alcoholic and a very falling down drunk. And I forget the name of the movie now. Hmm. But it was a, an important movie, and he won the Oscar. Yeah, they like it when comedians change gears and play drama. Then they reward them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it's true, but it's, it, that's also in a lot of different things. Like there's musicians, I've you know, rock musicians who always do this loud music, and then all of a sudden they'll do out of the you know out of the blue they do a slow uh, song, and it's like everybody says, "Oh wow, that's a great song," and you know it's just the a change of pace for them, and everybody th that's right. You know, people get used to you doing one thing, and if you change it, they think, "Oh, it's a miracle." Right. <laughs> Truth is, many people are versatile. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed my career because I've had a lot of different kinds of things, and I also have done a lot of writing, and I created, you may see in my uh, IMDb, uh, created a show called The Electric Company, which taught kids to read. It's exactly the one I was, I was just going to ask you about that. It was, is that true? Sesame Street brought me in and had me help them put together a show for kids slightly older than Sesame Street's audience. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed that. I told friends of mine at the time, I'm finally using my comedy talent for good instead of evil. <laughs> if I might help kids learn to read, that was mm -hmm. more uh, more of a target than just getting laughs. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. I spent a year with them, but the show stayed on for seven uh, seven years. Oh yeah, yeah. And then all my characters were uh, still used after all that time, even though I left after a year. And we had Bill Cosby, Rita Moreno, and Morgan Freeman. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Morgan uh, did that for ten, uh, seven years. Wow. Huh. I had a great time doing it. I loved stretching my muscles and my 
uh, possibilities by thinking in a certain way, which helpful to uh, the techniques of selling selling these ideas, learning to read to kids. I treated it very much like commercials because I'd written, not only appeared in, but I've written many, 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 many commercials, especially for radio. And part of the idea when you do comedy commercials for radio is you you draw them in with something humorous, and then once they're listening, you deliver the information you wanted to get across. So it's a way of disguising the message. Mm-hmm. And we thought if kids are entertained, then they may, may not notice they're getting educated. Because some of the kids we're trying to reach were kids who didn't want to learn, who didn't go to school, or had an attitude about school, or teachers or grown-ups like their parents or whatever. We didn't want to reach the kids who would normally learn to read on their own, just the inner-city kids who might have a special problem, or dyslexic kids. Uh, So we wanted to, you know, um, amuse them, and as they're amused, they're accidentally and secondarily getting educated. Mm-hmm. That's so that work. was a challenge for me, and I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, I used to write for Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira, who were Ben Stiller's parents. Yes, who you, were a comedy team. Yeah, I didn't know you wrote for them. Wow. Yeah, I did. I I spent a year writing a sketch show for them back in the seventies, uh, huh. and they're good friends of mine. Except um, Ann Mira just passed away last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I knew Ben when he was about four years old. Oh, really? <laughs> Could you tell that he was going to end up being uh, in movies? No, not at that age, but he started out on Saturday Night Live doing short films. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a regular, but he contributed short films. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Huh. Uh, he's very talented. Then he came out here and did a thing called The Ben Stiller Show, which was not, I don't think, one of the networks. It must have been a cable show, Fox or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really an important network. But I also appeared a few times on that show, and then I did know him when he was in his early 20s. Huh. Partly because his mom recommended me. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do what mom said. <laughs> yeah. Well, he grew up around comedy because they were appearing on the Ed Sullivan show many, many, many times. They were a favorite of Ed Sullivan's. Oh, yeah. Jeez. He loved the idea that the man was Jewish and the wife was uh, Irish. Mm-hmm. A lot of the routines revolved around all that. Yeah. They were, they, but I wrote commercials for them, and also a TV show, which was a sketch show. But then they asked me to help them write um, humorous commercials for them as well. <laughs> so I continued writing when I can here and there. And I've written a few screenplays, a couple with my son, that we're still trying to promote. And selling a screenplay out here is like, you know, one in a million. It's everybody has a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The writers all have them, and everybody else is trying to get into the movies by writing a story. Yeah, but they're very good. But so far, we haven't had a somebody putting up the money. Yeah, it's so hard. It's I would a think. Great experience, and it was bonding to uh, write a couple of screenplays with my son, who is now uh, fifty years old. And I was I was going to ask you when when you were growing up in, in you know elementary and high school were you the class clown back then no i was never that i was actually too shy for that ah. i did appear in a couple of variety shows doing imitations the first thing i ever did on the stage was imitate red skelton and jimmy durante and another one but i've forgotten who that was just well-known entertainers mm-hmm. and i don't know that i was very good but i just got up and tried it 
How old were then you? Then I did some plays in high school and in college. I did a lot of theater. But mm-hmm. I was never at the party. I was never the, the guy who put the lampshade on his head. <laughs> and actually, if anything, I'm a little shy at parties. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of comedians are like that. I mean, a lot of actors, not so much comedians. Yeah. The, comedians the, are often funny at parties. Yeah. Uh, actors usually shy. In fact, they like appearing not as themselves, but they use the idea of appearing as other people, other characters, as their way of sort of uh, showing off, if you will. Mm-hmm. They gravitate toward playing other characters so that they don't appear as themselves. Yeah, They get out of themselves and do something larger than life. Right, yeah. That's the case with many actors I know. Yeah, yeah, they've told me that. Many many people have told me that over the years. And uh... Yeah, it's hard for the audience to believe you can get up in front of a crowd of 500 or 1,000 and entertain and be an actor if you're shy, but you're not yourself. You're someone else. Right. Yeah. I know. I, yeah. I know exactly what true. you're saying. Yeah. Huh. So, um, what, do you have anything that's that's coming up that uh, you know besides what you were talking about earlier? Well, uh, I, I, my work has slowed down a little because I'm in my 80s and there's not a part in every film for Grandpa, but I did get this job starting last week and part of this week, and so, I don't know, once every three or four months I do a a guest appearance on a TV show or something, or maybe once or twice a year I'll do a few days on an independent film. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the last couple of years I've been working on a one-man show where I'll be able to create my own character and, you know, set up my own fortunes, and I'm going to probably open that up here in a few months. I've I've got a director now, and I'm more or less have finished the writing, and I kind of know what I want to do, and uh, so that's something I'm spending my time on is like writing this show, which is really just about my career, interesting things that people don't know about me. You know that I was a juggler and a magician and a clown, and uh, I wrote for the electric company, and yeah, a lot of little odd things that are part of my resume. Yeah, ever thought of writing a book? Well, people used to say to me, you had a very wide experience, you should write a book. And I said, if I write a book and something in it's funny, when they laugh at it at home, I won't be there to hear the laugh. <laughs> so I thought of this one-man show instead of writing a book. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of calling it, I don't want to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> or instead of a book. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure exactly what to call it yet. Once I was calling it uh, A Brief History of Fun. Mm-hmm. But it's I talk about my love of vaudeville and silent movies and radio comedy and and all the people that uh, I follow. You know, I love Gleason. I thought was a genius. I know that Sid Caesar was a genius at comedy. Mm-hmm. I tend to gravitate more to actors who do sketches, uh, that sort of comedy, rather than guys who get up in nightclubs and do jokes. I like that combination of acting and broad comedy, like. Uh, Caesar, like uh, Caesar and Gleason did. Yeah, Gleason in the honeymoon is just a. It's not only funny, but he's a wonderful, wonderful actor. Yeah, and if you've seen him in any of his films, like The Hustler, yes, a perfectly straight, normal, dramatic port, a part. He's totally amazing in that. It's, that's a Paul Newman film about right. uh, yeah. playing pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he plays a, a Minnesota Fats, right? Famous uh, champion hustler. Yeah, or. Uh, pool player, and Gleason sort of showed everybody he could do dramatic acting in great style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised. So I, I tend toward like 
liking actors who do comedy in a realistic setting. But I still love Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, they're going to make a movie about them. <laughs> I understand they're making a movie about them, uh, their their life. Yeah, they've done that with others, like Chapman was done by Robert Downey Jr. That's right, yes, yeah. Donald O'Connor once played Buster Keaton in a sound movie, a, hmm. a biopic. Yeah, yeah. They get around to the mall eventually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I've got to tell you one thing. Very few people are going to be able to portray Laurel and Hardy very well. I, They're so specific, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. They said who was playing it, but I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Well, there's a guy who used to do it in commercials named Chuck McCann. Oh, used yes. To play Oliver Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was great. He looked like him. He sounded like him. Mm-hmm. He was chubby like him. Yeah. But if you get the right partner, if they use him and they get the right partner to play Stan Laurel, it should be okay. Yeah. yeah. I look forward to that. Mm. Yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah. Well, Paul, I, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Yeah. And everybody always says these are the toughest questions, but uh, we'll see, see if you feel the same way. When you sit back and relax... What do you watch on TV as far as TV shows? And what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, uh, I began to get interested, as I say, first with Jackie Gleason, then Sid Caesar, which many people don't remember because if you're under 30, you may not remember them. But then one of the first... uh, Sitcoms I loved was Mary Tyler Moore. Mm -hmm. Then I loved Cheers and Taxi and Frasier, and many of those are written by the same writers. They went from Cheers over to Frasier. Some of them came from Taxi over to Cheers. So there were great writing in those particular sitcoms. Uh, there are not so many sitcoms on today that I'm crazy about, although I do like Seinfeld. I'm now watching the reruns, and I think they hold up really well, and mm-hmm. they're hilarious. Yeah. I love Michael Richards. He's a throwback to the old silent movie comedians. Yeah. Because he can use his body so well. Yeah. Uh, I just follow uh, movies in general uh, very much, and uh, I always see all the Oscar-nominated films. But lately, because there's been a renaissance in great writing and great TV shows, uh, dramatically speaking, um, I realized how great the writing was when I started watching Breaking Bad and binge-watching that, and Mm -hmm. then since I've been binge-watching a lot of different series, and one of the greatest I've seen so far is called Transparent. Yep. And a friend of mine, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, is playing the father who, in his 70s, comes out and realizes he wants to live as a woman, and uh, it's very, very successful, and I watch binge-watch that uh, first and second season. It's just a lot of great shows on. Tonight I'm watching uh, the third episode of the recreation of the O.J. trial. Oh, yeah. But I try to watch uh, these shows that have good writing. Instead of watching them week by week, I I wait a while until they get on Netflix. Then you binge watch them on a long weekend and you see all ten. And it's a much better way of seeing them because it's like seeing a very long movie in the comfort of your own home. Yeah. And you can stop and have a snack or something. (laughs) Go to the bathroom. But it's much more rich than a regular 90-minute movie or a two-hour movie because your characters only have an hour and a half or two hours to tell the entire story, whereas the new series and the abbreviated series on um, cable, uh, you get to tell a 10-hour movie, and it all gets richer each episode. I mean, 
every episode gets deeper and more interesting, and then you care about the characters. Can't wait to see what happens. That's for sure. It's a new form. It's really changing television. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And some of them are better than the movies. I mean, oh yeah, because there's good actors, good writing, good directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about movies? What, what What are your What's your favorite movie of all time? Well, nobody would know it. It's by a guy named Mike Lee, who's English, and it's called Secrets and Lies. And uh, I just think the writing in it is. Uh, brilliant in the actors and the characterizations. It's about 20 years old. But of course, uh, one of my favorites is It's a Wonderful Life, Singing in the Rain, the ones that are really on the 10 best list, you know, Citizen Kane. Classics, yeah. Um, both both of the Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. I love those, love of those uh, uh, films that are sort of well-known to almost everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's, I do love to watch Pacino, and I got to work with him in a movie called Insomnia. Oh, yes, yeah. And uh, I think he's fabulous. The, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, who once played my son when he was 16, uh, is, was a great, great, great actor. Mm-hmm. One of the greats. He was a character actor who actually became a star. Yeah. Because he wasn't like the uh, typical good-looking, slim, leading man which most stars are. Right, yeah, yeah. He was a sort of a stocky character guy who was so good he became a star. Yeah. And he's one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Paul, I, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us and taking the time to talk to us and uh, hope to see you in some more shows or movies over, over the next few years. And, uh, well, uh, keep you know, your eyes open. Yeah, and I'm sure <laughs> someday you got... Actors, actors are a breed that sits by the phone and I never know when the phone will ring. Right. <laughs> I hadn't worked for four months and I got a call last week to do this uh, hospital show. Yeah. So you might think you're retired several times and then the phone rings and you have a job. Yeah, well, I was going to say, well, you know, when are you when are you going to just sit back and put your feet up and say, that's it, I'm retired? <laughs> well, never, because if I retire, uh, I'm in my 80s, but if someone calls me next week and says, uh, you know, we have a part for you. Say, of course, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. As long yeah. as I can walk and talk. Yeah, I had I had a woman on who was. Uh, they say she's the oldest working actress. Huh. Um, she was a hundred when I interviewed her. I think she was either. I don't know if she was a hundred or ninety nine or something like that. Or yeah. Uh, but uh, she she said she's still still doing acting. If somebody calls, she'll do it. She said. Of course. Sometimes they do have parts. The guy I'm playing in this show I did today, he's in his 80s, he's mid-80s, and I'm 88. And so it worked out perfectly, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, that's Had great. A good time. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, I'll keep working as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And when I can't, I'll sit back and watch television. Yep. <laughs> movies. All right. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us, Paul. We appreciate it very much. It's my pleasure, Brian. So uh, good luck with your program. A big thank you going out to Paul Dooley for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. I want to thank him so much for taking the time out of his busy schedule. And so many entertaining movies and TV shows he's been on. It's just uh, it's, it's so good to hear the stories that he had. So, what do you say? It's uh, getting down there and my throat is just killing me. So, <laughs> I'm going to finish this up. I've actually edited out a few coughs along the way. But uh, I'm going to go take a nap, I think. And hopefully next week I'll be a little bit better. 
but I'm also traveling again. So uh, let's see. This episode is coming out yeah, today, of course. And uh, let's see. The other one next week is going to come out a couple days early because I'm going to be jumping on a plane heading to Florida. And then, of course, the next one will be on time. So it uh, looks like uh, everything will be coming your way, but uh, i got to hopefully get through this cold before we uh, get too much further here. So if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. And while you're there on Facebook, be sure to go to Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm and look at the trailer teaser that they've put up of the movie that I wrote. And be sure to share and like the uh, trailer. You can get a look at it. And uh, also, uh, my daughter is the one who did the music for the trailer. And uh, we're working on other songs for the movie itself. So we got a long ways to go. But uh, hopefully that'll be coming out uh, first of 2017. So we'll see how that keeps going. We'll keep you informed on it. And like I say, if you want to keep up to date, just go to Facebook. Go to uh, Bonji Bear in the Kingdom of Rhythm. And you can uh, like the page, and uh, you know, then you get the information and all that stuff. So, uh, also, I guess they told me that they've got an Instagram and they've got a, tw- a Twitter account and uh, all those other things. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's all I can tell you right for now. I don't know any of those that information. And sooner or later, I'll get it on on screen and beyond dot com, and uh, you can all just click on it there. Hopefully, if I can figure out how to do that. Well, that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.